My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. My guest this week is stylist Danielle Nakmani. Danielle and I discuss how she went from a magazine intern to styling the Olsen twins and how she seeks to empower others through fashion. Danielle Nakmani, you're on the pod. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this this means a lot. You're um you're like a low-key, super big deal in the stylist world. I appreciate you saying that. No, yeah. It's, it's, I guess it's very, very low-key because this is not something I'm aware of. No. So, like, I mean, we'll, we'll talk a bit about your, your backstory and, and kind of the stuff that you've done, but I feel like some of the most significant people that I've always admired and you're like, oh, man, like, oh, they probably don't have a stylist. They look so good. Or they like, and you're the person behind the curtain all the time. It's funny you say that because the running joke with my clients and clients that I have that maybe I don't publicize is that I'm the person, I am the woman stylist that is like I would never, that everyone thinks wouldn't have a stylist. Like that's like pretty much my MO at this point. Like it's just, it's developed, it's start. it kind of started that way. Okay. In a lot of ways. And I think that's kind of what set the tone, but I also think it's the way that I style because I don't feel that any of it ever feels too intentional. Right. That's something that I am hyper aware of. So it's funny that you say that, but it's also something that's been becoming more and more of a, not so much of something of I hear about, but more of a fact because of the clients I have coming to me. Right. Well, mission accomplished. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> so I, I kind of want to jump a bit about like, where did a lot of this stuff come from? Because from, you know, the the stuff that I've read about you, you like got into this in high school. Yes. Where are you from originally? I'm from Long Island, New York. Okay. Um, but my father was in the, had a, a company, a cut and sew, like he pretty much was like the purveyor of like baby tees. Whoa. Like he, I was like the Like cool, infant, like babies. Yeah. Okay. No, like baby. Okay. The girl listeners are going to know what I'm talking about. No. Okay. Like, like the, baby the, tees. Yes. No, like I do know what you mean. girls would wear it and it would be like girly or, you know, step back <laughs> or like something ridiculous. But it was my father's company that manufactured that. So I always kind of had an awareness of that being a huge role in my father's life. And my father and my grandfather were very stylish men, like impeccable, like never a hair out of place, never any, like it was always really so precise. And I take so much of why I got into what I got into because of them, because I was just so obsessed with the way that they carried themselves my father had a runway show called Girls Rule. And it was Whoa. like all these He's like way ahead of his time. Yeah, like at Brian Park. <laughs> I'll just never forget like being backstage at the show and just being like, this is what I want to do. Like I know that this is what I want to do. And I'm like 10 or 11 years old. And I'm just like, I like I walked into that backstage area seeing the dresser, seeing the stylist, makeup, hair, and I was just like, I'm home. Yeah. You know, and I think as that went on, my dad allowed me to be involved. So, like, when they did a photo shoot for the brand, my dad was like, Who should we make the model? And I was like, Oh my God, you have to use the Delia's model. She's my favorite model. Delia's. And it was this girl, Janelle, and she was the face of Delia's. And actually, when Delia's just did a relaunch like six months ago, they used Janelle. Oh my God. Because she was the Delia's girl. And we, like, I got to be on set for the shoot and I got to, like, help the stylist. And I was just like, What is this job? Yeah. And throughout high school, I became obsessed with magazines, but not so much the concept of the magazine, but realizing that there was somebody that was creating those stories on a visual level. Right. So 
I realized that there was a role called the stylist or a sittings editor for that matter. Yeah. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Like, that's what I want to do. And my school had a high school fashion show and I pretty much optioned myself up to kind of run it. I think it was the first time I was ever proactive in school with anything. Okay. And it was the only time in my entire um, school career that I ever got sent to the principal's office. What? And it was because like they were going to fire me from the fashion show because my looks were like too daring. Oh. Yes. Very Too daring. many baby yeah, tees? No, I'm pretty sure I told <laughs> the girls that they shouldn't wear bras oh. because I thought it was like more fashion. Okay. The sure. principal did not appreciate that. Understood. Um, but I was just like, it's cooler. It's like very French. She's like, who are you? <laughs> you know, like, the, like it's just like honestly comedy because like my mom sends me photos of me like working on that show and I'm literally wearing like what I'm wearing now. Yeah. Like I'm, I've never, I've been exactly who I was aesthetically since the age of like 11. Whoa. Like the brand just probably got a little bit better. But there's, there's a bit of a thing that I want to get at into which I think this is not a stereotype, but I think a lot of, you know, when younger women or younger men, when you see fashion, a lot of times you don't always think, I wish I could be the person behind the scenes. Generally, yes. people want to be in front of the of camera. Course. So where, where, did, where did that come from that you had more of this admiration for like the production side? Because that's really unique. I think that I just, you know, had a lot of ideas and I realized that like I didn't feel comfortable being the person to present them. Like I wanted to create it and then send somebody else out there. And I think interesting that like that was, and I think that could have also just been like a insecurity, like just being like a 13 year old girl and being like, it's not going to be me. Yeah. But you know, I found, and I say this, you know, often, but it's like a lot of my confidence, I would say 90% of the confidence that I found as like a teenage girl was through my style because I knew exactly how I wanted to look and I knew it was good. Yeah. And I don't think I felt sure about anything else except that. So I really carried that with me and I think I still do to this day, but it was really what kept me kind of sane and like mm -hmm. happy as like a young girl. Cause obviously those are like very trying times. Yeah. Extremely. You know, and you know, it didn't matter if like I wasn't like the prettiest girl in school or the smartest girl in school or the most popular girl in school. I knew that I looked cool. And like, that was what mattered the most to me. Like I found power in my style and it's something that I think I've carried through through my work. Wow. That's, I mean, that's really incredible. Cause I, I mean, all those things that you said are just so challenging. I mean, even like for me, I mean, for anyone, yeah. Like I, you know, I used to, I, I would wear ties to school, and I got called a few homophobic of names course. and things like that for wearing ties. And then I was trying to like, oh, I'm going to wear a hoodie over the tie, and I was really into punk rock. And I'm very into that, yeah. very like some forty one of you, right? Yeah, it was not mad. I was also obsessed with uh, Long Island hardcore, like trying to look like some sort of cool dude from, you know, brand new and taking back Sunday and all those guys. Totally. And Warp Tour was like my jam. Warp Tour, right? <sighs> Big time. I miss Warp Tour. Same. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's just amazing that you had that. When did like your dad start to let you come into more of the professional stuff of his life? Was that always at a really early age? I think he just always included me because he knew how much I loved it. And yeah. I think he appreciated what I had to say because at the end of the day, I was the customer. Right. You know? Pretty good market research, yeah. Um, and when I was in high school, I worked at like the, like, there was a store called National Gene Company. Okay. And it was like the spot. But I would notice that like their biggest shoppers would ask if like when the store closed, if they could come in to shop with me. Oh. You know, and it was like this weird. And wait, how old were you then? Like 16. 
dope. And I think it was just because I was just so sure. I was like, no, you can't wear that. Or like, yeah, that's what you wear. Or I'll be like, try this on. And they would be like, no, I'd be like, trust me. And then they'd end up buying it. And it wasn't for like, I didn't have sales on my mind. It's just when I see somebody, I know what's going to make them look great. Yeah. And I think that for me, I was really satisfied by that. And it was also a space that I was constantly being put forward in. And I think in school, like I wasn't necessarily like the smartest student. So I found something I was just like naturally good at. Yeah. And I really like grabbed onto that. So I remember being 17 and like the owner of National Gene Company was like, you're going to go on the buying trip. And I remember like the buyer at the store was like pissed. Oh. Because they're like, who is it? Why is she going? And, <laughs> and like the owner, Jimmy, was like, because everything she pushes, we sell. He's like, she's going on the buying trip. You're not going. I'm like, you're the like, golden child. Yeah. Like everyone was like, you know, and I was like, this is so weird for me. Like I'd never been good at sports. I'd never been good in school. Like, you know, it was such a strange thing, but everything that happened only reinstilled my confidence in it. Right. You know, like weird things like that. Like even talking about it with you now, I like forget. And now I'm like remembering those moments and like going into the city Yeah. and just like being in those meetings and like the people that were selling, like, you know, the sales team from like a brand would be like, who is this girl? Like, why is she like picking out product? Or I'd be like, oh, this would be so much better if you did A, B, and C. And they'd be like, okay, little girl, chill. Right. But I was just like, I'm sorry, I'm right. I guess, I guess in a lot of ways I was just so secure in something for the first time in my life. And it became like an obsession for me. Cause I was just like, the more I delve into this, the better, like this is serving me. Yeah. I mean, you get to see fruits of your labor from continuing to work at totally. it. Totally. And yeah. I was just, and I was really fulfilled by it. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, the same way that I found power in my style, I wanted to do that for other women. Mm-hmm. You know, I really, um, I felt, I found pride in that. And it also allows for like a bigger purpose than what people kind of brush off styling as, which is like, Oh, you like put clothes on a girl. It's like, no, it's like something much bigger than that. You just don't realize it. Well, just to, to sidebar on that, what is it then for you? Because that that is a very interesting concept that you raised. I mean, I think it varies depending on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that the beauty of being a stylist is that you're able to take on so many different sectors, um, whether it's doing an editorial shoot or whether it's, you know, styling a fashion show or whether it's doing red carpet with a celebrity. Right. You know, and for a good portion of the beginning of my career, I was very much involved with brands and designers and it's something I still, I think in a lot of ways is the most fulfilling to me because I feel that I can meet a brand and I, I know how to help them. Even if it's not about like necessarily helping them be better, it's more just about showing them a new way to showcase the product. And I think what happens is, is designers are so in it and that's why they need a stylist to come in because it's another viewpoint. Yeah, like someone just kind of outside the box. Yeah, because well, they're not living with it. I feel the same way when I do anything. If I style a look, by the time it's out there and everyone sees it, I'm like over it. Right. Because I've been looking at it for weeks. Right. You know, and not that I don't love it, but I'm just like, okay, what's next? Yeah, yeah. So I love working with designers because for me, that's like my starstruck. Right. Like I'm completely taken aback. Like I could see the most famous like actress or singer in the world and I'd be like, hi, I'm Danielle, nice to meet you. And like even last night at like the Vuitton um, the cruise, resort, show. cruise show, I've, yeah. you know, I'm just in awe of Nicola. I think he is, he's just a true artist. And to have that kind of longevity and continuously deliver creativity and something new and something fresh at every season is just like the way that the mind has to work to do that is just, I'm just in awe. 
And I feel that way about, I mean, the same way with a designer like Raph Simmons, you know, it's just yeah. to go to so many different houses and tell so many different stories. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Yeah. And it's just like, how do you do that? And still how make do, your own on the side. And still also have your own line that also <laughs> tells a completely different story and it's insanely amazing. So yeah. it's like, you have to think about the kind of pressure and expectation that exists in the design world now and the way that the ones that deliver deliver because to me those are just those are artists for me like those are the people that I see and I'm just completely like for lack of a better term like bajiggity like I just can't keep it together great term you know like there you go you know I'm just totally (laughs) I'm like a school I'm like a totally flustered school girl like I can't because I'm just in awe of what their capabilities are so I think having the ability to work on shows like most recently, like I worked with Rosetta Getty and like, I love her clothing and mm-hmm. just so amazing to work with her through the process of like styling the collection and putting it out there. And what's the story? Like, I love that because that's how everything starts. Right. You know, that's where all the red carpet moments come from, from the designer's imagination. It's their creation. Right. So I, I want to jump back just a bit. So yeah. you, you are in school, I'm in you're, school. you're doing your, these curating your own shows Going to the principal's office. Yeah. What happens next? You go to college? You. I, I went to college, to be totally honest, not for any other reason but to appease my parents. Okay. I was like, I know what I want to do. I know how I can do it. Like, I don't know why I need to go to school. And yeah. My, and my parents, as they should have, were like, you're so... We're so fortunate that you're able to go to college. You're going to college. This is very... Like, this is a time in your life that we want you to experience because neither of them had experienced it. Right. And I, like, I think I got into Syracuse and I was like, cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was like, cool. I'll go there. Like I never visited the campus. <laughs> okay. I never visited the school. Sure. And I was like, aren't they like very raw, raw there? And my mom's like, it'll be great. The orange like, Exactly. <laughs> I roll up to school and my roommate is like Miss Orangeman. Okay. Who to this day is my best friend. Oh, good. But it's like the <laughs> ultimate, knows where everything is, knows where every party. And I'm just like, hey. Mm. She's like, well, like, where's your like Syracuse sweatshirt? I'm like, my what? She's like, well, it's blue and orange. I'm like, I don't wear that. Like, it's not. <laughs> like, the running joke at school was the fact that I was the only college student that like didn't own a, a pair of sweatpants. Oh, really? Which is kind of funny for the look I have on right now. You're, you're full Lux. It's okay. But it's like Lux. Lax Lux. Yeah, it's Lax Lux. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. it's like, it was college, like you wear sweatpants. And I was always in like jeans and a button down and like a smart jacket. Like I just was always the same. Like we would go to like the school games. Mm-hmm. Like we won the final four when I was in college. Oh my God. And so I was at like That's one right. of the finals games in like a all black outfit. Really? And I was just, but not like, because I was, it was just what I was wearing that day. Yeah. You know, and everybody is decked out and they're like, what is wrong like, with Where's her? your spirit, Daniel? And I was like, <laughs> I, like, I'm here, you know, but I wouldn't change it for the world because that time there was essential to just me growing up totally outside of what I wanted to do. And every summer mm. I would really immerse myself in internships. Yeah, because you did like two internships at once, right? Yes. I had the opportunity to work at Island Def Jam and Andrea Lieberman was like the only stylist that I knew about. Because you have to keep in mind like there wasn't like internet like we have now where you could be like or Instagram or any of that stuff. Like obviously you could like go on like Internet Explorer (laughs) and like try to find. Yeah. Like, I mean, let's be real here. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. My music was coming from Napster. (laughs) Um, But I knew who Andrea Lieberman was. Yeah. And- I saw her in the hallway there and I was just like, again, like this is who's like, there's a million major musicians, all these people. And I see her and I am like, 
dead on the floor. And fortunately enough, someone that worked there, I knew she was going to meet with her and I was like, I would do anything to work for her. Like I'll work for free. And she was like, you'll work for free. I was like, yeah, like I'm working here for free. I'll work for you for free. So pretty much two days a week, I interned for her out of her apartment on the Upper East Side. Okay. And she would put me in a town car like every day with a composition notebook with all the stops I had to make. And I would just be a glorified messenger. Right. And like a town car. But you got experience of working under her. Yeah. Right? I mean, I definitely was not working under her. I okay. was definitely working under around her. Ra- I think, I think I just <laughs> happened to be leaving her apartment and coming back there at the end. Okay. Of the night. Okay. Um, but I was there. Yeah. And, you know, I got to draw out for me. I was like, oh, my God, I'm carrying a couture gown. Like, oh, no. my God, this shoot, this dress just came from like a photo shoot for Vogue. Like, you know, there were so many like what I was doing didn't really matter to me. Mm. It was just the fact that like I was doing errands for someone that I wanted to be. Yeah. You know, or that I aspired to be like. You're getting to see the business too. Yeah, I was just like, this is insane. Like, I'm just draw. Like, we just get the clothes for free, (laughs) and then we just return them. You know, and you like drop off at the showrooms. You know, you start to like you're there all summer, so you start to see all the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that summer, I remember being like, I was interning at this record label, and by the end of the summer, I was like, I'm just working. I would just want to intern for Andrea. Like, this is what I want. Like, it was just constantly just like calling. There was anytime I tried to try something new to like just try it, it was just. Like, I remember interviewing, like, to be, like, Jan Wenner's assistant when I graduated college. Oh, my God. Yeah. Rolling Stone. Yes. Yeah. And, like, being there and seeing someone push a rolling rack and me looking at the woman interviewing me and being like, is there, like, a fashion department here? <laughs> you know? And she was like, this is this job is not for you, sweetie. Right. Like, if you're, like, this is a huge opportunity. Yeah. You know, and I left being like, I want to I go where that rack is going. Right. You know? Like... So Vogue comes in too, and you end up interning there. I did. I well, because I had interned for Andrea, I think they were like, "You interned for who?" Yeah. Like, you know, I don't think it was like a common thing for a young girl like from Long Island to be like kind of putting herself in that space. Right. And I interned at Vogue. I took the train in like at like five a.m. every morning, and like eight, home every night at eight p.m. Like Long Island Railroad. Long Island Railroad. Okay, so like, you were really making the commute. Yeah, I think I like said I lived in the city. Okay. To like make it so that they had to hire me. Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously hire is very loose. Um, <laughs> but I really made myself, like, yeah. anytime anything came up, I was just like, I'll do it. Like, I didn't care what it was. And, I mean, like, meaning, like, I would just like, oh, you want coffee? I'll go get coffee. You know, it's like, there was no Uber. Yeah. You know, there was no, like, there was, like, it's just so crazy when I think about it now. Because it's like, we didn't have any of those things. Any of the on-demand type Services. Or like, how about like maps? Like that would have been helpful. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like, like Google Maps, gar- smartphones. Like, return- like returning a garment bag to like some like random designer like in the middle of nowhere. Right. Like I had a StarTech. Like it was not showing me anywhere where to go. Oh, dang. Yeah. It was great though. And I loved it. And I kind of, I had, I was interning for Carla Martinez, who's now the editor-in-chief of Vogue Mexico. Yeah. And she was under Virginia Smith, and I eventually became Virginia's intern by the end of the summer. I was just so convinced that when I graduated college, they'd be like, oh my God, Danielle, we were waiting for you. Here's your job. Right. That did not happen. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I think, unfortunately, a lot of younger people, and I wrestled with this too, like you think, yeah, I okay, I did it. I, I appeased the people that wanted to be appeased. I, I went to school for my parents. I did this. Like, now it's my turn. And you find out, like, 
you know, like the that's world kind of, yeah. And the world yeah. kind of like smacks you in the face. They're like, that's so cute. And you're like, no, you're going to, you're going to work for free. And you basically have to make those trade-offs yourself. Like you have to like earn that experience by staying in the room. You a thousand know? percent. And I yeah. think it, I'm so happy that that's when I came up. But what's funny is I always thought I was going to be a fashion editor. Like I never thought like styling, like celebrity styling was not even something I even like thought about. Like Camilla mm. Nickerson was like my idol. And I mean, I'm still obsessed with her, but like that was this, I had like a plan. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to get a job at a magazine. and like, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. When I graduated, no magazine was hiring me. I went on like a million interviews and I couldn't get a job. So I took a job as the front desk girl at Pure 59 Studios Oh, nice. So I could see all the editors that I had interviewed with all the time. You had a pretty good long game here. I did. I was really <laughs> savvy. I like I would give my like 21-year-old self a high five. Like yeah. I really knew I was very calculated, but it was just because I was so sure of what I wanted. And that's shifted in some ways. Like it's taken different shape, but I was just I knew that I wanted to be a, like a stylist, fashion, like I knew, like I had to do it. Like I didn't have a choice. Like when people are like, there wasn't a second option. Like that was genuinely what it was for me. It was like the idea of doing something else. I, there couldn't be a plan B because there just, there couldn't be. Like I, that wasn't an option for me. But the the contrast of that, which I, I want to call out is just because you weren't doing exactly what you wanted doesn't mean you didn't do anything else. Like yeah. you, you took the job th- at Pier 59 and the internships because this was the path to get there. A thousand percent. And there's nothing right. I believe in more than a slow burn. Sure. I mean, but it, it sounds like you what you've done has worked pretty damn well. For me. Yeah. You know, I think that it's also what validates you, like what's going to make you feel good. I've been lucky to meet a handful of fashion designers over the years, but one of my favorites is American menswear designer Todd Snyder. Todd makes clothes I love to wear and can wear with everything else I own. Clothes with a simple, luxurious ease that never looks like you're trying too hard. A true collaborator, Todd Snyder himself believes that a brand is judged by the company it keeps and continues to forge partnerships with iconic, classic brands. His long-standing collaboration with Champion has produced perhaps the most desirable sweats ever created, and his association with Timex has led to a line of quintessential watches any man would want to wear. This season, I had the privilege to work with the brand and pick out my favorite looks for fall and winter. Visit toddsnyder.com forward slash blammo to check them out. Some of my favorites are the slim five-pocket garment-dyed twill trousers that work with the sport coat and button-down to your favorite sweatshirt, the Italian merino cardigan, or the olive coach's jacket that's made right here in New York. All of these picks and more can be seen at toddsnyder.com forward slash blammo. So check them out and get that perfect fall wardrobe. You know, so I took the job at Pier 59, answered phones at the front desk, was like on like the most incredible shoots. And it's really, the truth is, is like, I just prepared for everything as if it was like the most important job in the world. Right. Even though I was just the front, you know, I decided that that's what it was. So that's what it was. I treated that job at the front desk as if it was like my, you know, big break when really it was just answering phones, but people picked up on it. Yeah. And Carla Martinez, my intern boss from Vogue had recently left and became the market director of the New York Times for tea. And she was like... I'm looking for an assistant. You're coming in next week. Oh my God. And I got a job at T and I was her assistant. So oh, interesting. I was an assistant to Carla Martinez, Bruce Pask, Ann Christensen, and Stefano Tanchi. 
It's a lot of Outlook calendars. Yes. And <laughs> I definitely had some major fails. Like, I definitely screwed up. I will never forget screwing up a massive shoot with Anne Christensen and Jean-Paul Goud. And I forgot to include a Chanel bracelet when I was packing the suitcase. And Anne Christensen gave me a talking to on my voicemail that will never leave me. Oh, no. But she couldn't have been more right. Okay. And it was so well-deserved. It was like the key piece of the story, and I hadn't packed it. And she was in Paris with Jean-Paul Goud for this incredible shoot, and oh, there was no bracelet. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, just take a car and go get it. it was oh, no, like, no, no, no. It was like, like, if this was vice versa, yeah. I wouldn't have been nearly as nice as Anne. I still think about it to this day. Like, even afterwards, like, after that moment, like, every time I packed up anything... I've, I learned from that experience of like triple checking, double, like never leave another stone unturned. Like right, right. I'm, I became meticulous because of that job because we worked in the old New York Times building. The fashion closet was in the basement of the old New York Times building. Okay. And that building you were allowed to smoke in back in the day. So the whole building smells like cigarettes. Okay. <laughs> and it was, I spent my life there. Dang. For like two years. I ended up going to Jane magazine. Yeah. And I was just like, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm staying. I'm going to become the fashion director. This is my life. Uh-oh. We folded like a month later. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, uh. It was my favorite magazine. And I could not believe that I was going to work there. Like, I right. couldn't believe it. I was like an assistant editor. My head was like exploding. Yeah. And we folded. So you get a little time to find some yeah, other stuff. Yeah, so I was like, I I said to my, I sat my dad down. I was like, I have, I have a six month severance package with like health insurance and pay. Oh wow, God bless you. Yeah, it was substantial enough for me to be like, I'm going to take the next six months and like really try to become a stylist. Right. Like I'm going to get an assistant position with a stylist. I was like, this is what I'm going to do, and my dad was just like, just pay your rent. Like I don't care. It was interesting. You 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 talked to your dad about this. Because the first thing I said when I called him and we folded, and it's not like your mom being like, oh, sweetie, I'm so sorry. I know how excited you were. My dad was like, what are you going to do? Right. You know? Yeah. And I was just like, I want to talk to you about like what I really want to do. And like if there was ever a chance for me to do it, it's right now. Like I don't think I want to work a magazine. I think right. I want to work for a stylist. I got an assistant position with Annabelle Tolman. Mm -hmm. And she was the fashion director of Interview. And she had just started doing red carpet for like Scarlett Johansson and like Liv Tyler and a couple other actresses. And she was looking for an extra like person on hand. And I think her assistant was leaving. Right. And she and I are night and day. Okay. And we just like totally hit it off. Oh, good. And I was with her for, I guess, almost three years. Oh, that's a long time actually. Yeah. For, I mean, for assistant stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I was just, it was the best. I loved it. Like, it was so fun because we would do editorials and then we would do celebrity and I was just running around like a chicken with her head cut off. And yeah. like, it was just great and so exciting. And it was exactly what I wanted to do. Like, I was like, this is what I want to do. And Annabelle was just the most gracious boss and like just the loveliest woman. When I started to kind of get an itch to go off on my own, we were on a project that was with Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Yeah. And they were launching a book. Is this the Derek Blasberg book? Okay, Yeah. Like yeah. it's like all the people that they admire. Yeah. It was like photos of their half of their faces. Oh, okay. I think, but anyway, they were yeah. doing like a book tour and Annabelle was styling them for the book tour. She gave me a lot of room to like do my thing because I was freaking out that like we were working with them. Yeah. You know, but I think for her, it was like, she's like, 
a chic British woman, like who's like worked in fashion. She's like, I don't know, like what is this? Yeah, and, and I was this like, oh my god, client. I'm like, uh, yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh my god, like I'll die. Like you know, I grew up watching their TV shows. They were like my style icon. Like I was yeah. obsessed with them. Yeah, we did the fitting and. You know, I got on really well with both of them and we did a beautiful job and the job ended and mm-hmm. they signed a book and gave it to Annabelle and I was so jealous, like <laughs> as they should have. Right, sure. Because I was the assistant. Yeah. And I stayed in touch with their assistant because they were launching Elizabeth and James. Right. So, Which was the bags and stuff, right? It was right? like... Or was like it, there were some like, clothes, too. Yeah, there were some clothes. Yes, you're but right. anyway, we kind of just like... You know how assistants just become friends. It's like all the girls that I know now, we were all interns together. You right. know, it's... You all kind of come up together. Yeah. And Kristen was their assistant, and she called me... I'll never forget, I was at the Patagonia store in Soho. Flex. Yeah. Represent. Yeah, love that place. And... She was like, I would you style Mary Kate for the Met Ball? Like, we need someone to find dresses. So, just to kind of like sidebar here, you basically, I mean, obviously, you've worked your way up to this point and yes. you have experience, you have talent, or else you wouldn't have gotten the phone call. But you basically get drafted to a team to make a cheesy sports term and you're playing like, the biggest, most important game of the year. The Met Ball in general yeah. fashion is like, yeah, there's I nothing mean, it's, bigger. A su- it's literally like being, it's like, the, like I mean, I don't know anything about sports, so I can't. It's okay. I don't even either. I just try to trick people yeah, in saying that I do. It's like, <laughs> you could trick me. But yeah, it was just like the Super Bowl with like the MVP. Like yeah. it didn't get any bigger than this. And I, I should rephrase because it, was like, it wasn't will you style. It was will you find dresses for okay. her sure. for the ball. And I was like out of my mind. And I was like, I have to ask Annabelle. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Hold on, because I, yeah. I even like double tick. Yeah. So you get this, you get this opportunity, and you're like, "Well, let me check with my boss." Well, because the way that I met them was because she oh, styled them. Yeah. I mean, but still, this is like I know, but it was my job. I was. I had worked for her for three years, and I think any assistant to a stylist would say that, like, the relationship you build with that person, like, you're a family. That's incredibly like noble of you to, to do that. And I very, guess, and but very I also like want to like look at myself in the mirror for the rest of my life. Like I well, would sure. never be able to do something like that. <laughs> so I called Annabelle. Okay. And I told her what happened. And Annabelle being the woman that she was, was just like, obviously this is something I would like to be doing, but this is a huge opportunity for you. You have to do it. Oh. She's like, you completely have my blessing. That's, that's great. And I did it. And yeah, you definitely did it. I did it. And it was like a whole thing. And then it was like, oh, we have this. You so know? they reach out to you again. Yeah. And then it, and when I was getting her ready, like Ashley was there and like she was, you know, and it was just like, it sort of just like enveloped into like opportunities that were coming up and coming up. And then I started to get very busy with them mm-hmm. because they were still going out. You know, I pretty much had to sit down with Annabelle and she was like, I think like you're ready. Like, I think it's time for you to. To, to go. graduate, yeah, go off on your kind own. kind of. She's like, I just need you to find me an assistant. <laughs> so and, find a replacement. <laughs> and the replacement I found is Michaela Erlanger. Oh, wow. Okay. So she stayed her assistant for four more years. And sadly, um, Annabelle passed away suddenly oh. out of nowhere. Um, I feel so fortunate that I had the opportunity to work under her because it was it taught me how to celebrate my clients when they were entering into a huge moment and also how to work with brands and delegate to the people that work for me. Right. Because she treated me with so much 
love and respect throughout the entire process of working with her. Like I just learned so much from her. Um, not only as a stylist, but just as a woman. And I'm just really grateful for that experience because I think that working with her really brought me to a, a space on my own that changed everything for me. Right. You know, like none of that would have happened if I wasn't working with her. Yeah. You know, I would have never had my first client if it weren't for her. Right. And it was, an, and I pretty much ended up working with both Mary Kate and Ashley for, I guess, three years. Wow. And that, as I, I was able to style like one of the row collections. Um, Just amazing. Yeah. Like the earlier times. And I got to work on a lot of Elizabeth and James campaigns. And actually one of the shoots I did for them was where I met Laura Harrier. She was a model for one of their shoots. Wow. And she would constantly, we would always end up back together on these shoots because I would style it and she would be the model. And as their brand grew, the job kind of transitioned into this different thing. And then it was just time for me to find other jobs. Right. Before that, it was really, I was exclusive to that only. Yeah. Mainly because I wanted to be. And also because it was just, there was enough work there. Yeah. So their, my experience of working with both of them set the tone for the way that I still style today, which is that I never have more than one rack ever. Really? Like maybe two, if there's like a lot of things happening, but yeah, one rack. Yeah, because a lot of, I mean, people will have like a room. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how they do that. I don't have shoes at my fittings either. Really? Like I'll have shoes there that are, your, that are my client size for them to try their looks on with. But when I meet with a new client, I have to preface the way that I fit because most people are used to walking into like a store and I don't do that. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, it, from people who have not like, or haven't seen like styling stuff or, or their no, knowledge, like, I mean, it's stylist, very, very yeah. different. Well, I think, listen, everyone has a different approach, but for sure. me, I feel that the way that I learned to style on my own was with two clients that appreciated a strong edit mm-hmm. and they were expecting to see what was the best pieces that were there and the best pieces for them. Versus like, here's some cool brands. Yeah. I didn't even really look at it, but yeah. I know it's good. That, yeah, I don't like I that I can't even consider something like that. It's like there is a there is a moment for every piece on this rack. It's just a matter of whether or not you'd like to implement that. Oh damn. So th- there's something I want to talk about because like the ability to make a living doing that is very, very difficult. And in the sense, and I only say this because I was a stylist for a bit. I worked with some, you know, celebrities and stuff, which was great, Mm -hmm. but I never really was able to learn how to ask for compensation. You know, like, I think I've said this on other pods, but I basically worked for people for free and then did day to day for free and then uh, would get money for the press tour. But then the press, you know, you're using that money to pay for the stuff. So it was, I never, I never knew how to do it right. And also, and this is, you know, to go back to what we talked about earlier, the people that I was dressing, I realized I was just trying to make copies of myself Yeah. versus like the stuff that you've done and the people that you've worked with and brands, like you're making them look their best for themselves. Definitely, but I also feel like I would be remiss to say that I don't incorporate my own aesthetic into it. But right. I think that's why you hire a specific stylist because you like their aesthetic. Right. You know, like if I have a client walking in for a fitting, I want her to want my outfit. I think, like, for me as a stylist, I'm probably, you know, I'm a big advocate of like, you know, a quiet statement and like simple mm. details. Like, I don't do a lot of jewelry or like when I do, it's very, like, you know, specific or, you know, I think everything is about smart choices 
there's an intention for every look that I create with the clients that I work with that are on a public space. Right. So, for example, like Laura Harrier, she was invited to the Calvin Klein show, and this is prior to Spider Man coming out, and the and it was the Raph's first collection, right, with Calvin Klein. So there was no clothes for them to loan. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So the email said it would be a lot. It's your interpretation. Ooh, of what that's Calvin, a high bar. Of what Calvin is. It's like literally my dream test. <laughs> like if I, I for me, Calvin is like the ultimate. Brandon Raff is like my actual like the, when I met him I, I was like made fun of for like days. Okay, you just but nerded out. I didn't nerd out. I got super weird. Okay, like super like I was. I mean, like no, actually, the person that was with me was just like you were actually really chill, but like inside, I was losing my mind. Right. But when he went to Calvin, my head like exploded because those are like my two favorite things in the world coming together. Right. Um, and. I remember looking at Laura and Laura being like, interpret what you, th-. I'm like, oh, we have this in the bag. Like, I'm so ready. Let's do this. And there was a new designer that just came out. Her name is Kate Holstein. She has a line called Kate mm-hmm. um, that to this day now is still my most like favorite new brand. Like I am totally in love with everything that she creates. And I work with her a lot, but her first collection had just been released and she made these black pants and this like white bodysuit that I just loved. And I said to Laura, the one thing I noticed on the invitation is that it's bright neon orange. I'm going to get you a Jill Sander blazer from when Raph was there. And it was my favorite collection ever. So when you go backstage and you meet Raph, you're going to be wearing something that is very Calvin-esque that he designed at Jill Sander. Whoa. This is like politics. This is good. And her first campaign was a Calvin underwear campaign that she got before Spider-Man came out. Whoa. So for me, I don't know that the two are correlated, but I do know that when she met Raph, he clearly remembered her because of the fact that she gave him a nod in a simple way. Sure, yeah, yeah. But in an educated way as well. Right. This is kind of Calvin-esque, and it matches the tone of the show that you're putting on, but this is something you designed 10 years ago. Right. That I sourced to honor you. Yeah. How'd you source that? You don't have to give like exactly who, but... I think that having had my first styling job as a stylist on my own with the Olsen twins made me a master in vintage sourcing. Interesting. That's dope. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, the vintage world is a crazy world. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Real characters, wonderful people. Yeah. But like really, I can sit, I'll end up at like a vintage dealer's space for like hours talking about fashion because their knowledge is just mind blowing. Right. And their appreciation for designers and the art of design and all of that. So I knew exactly what I wanted and I knew where to go to get it. Right. You know, coming off of working with um, the Olsen so far before and then kind of being like, I don't think I want to do celebrity anymore because I've had, like, I've worked with the best. Yeah. So I don't think that that's a space I would go back into. Right. And I realized that, like, you know, working with someone like, Laura was like the perfect opportunity to try it out again. And she was just really game. And I just, I love working with her. And it's just funny that I met her on a shoot like yeah. for one of their brands. Well, I mean, it kind of, it goes to show too that, you know, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit earlier and like how important your reputation is as a whole and, and just like being a good person, you know, yeah. and because you, it's such a small world. One moment can literally change everything. Oh God. Like in a very real way, you know, it's like if I hadn't gotten my blessing, you know, to go and work with them 
And then if I hadn't gotten to work with them, I would have never met Laura. And if I never met Laura, then I would have never had, you know, this new kind of segue into my career in celebrity. You know, it's just, there's just so many, it all stemmed from a magazine folding. Right. You know, like it's just so <laughs> weird when you think about it. And, but it really all stems back to the fact that I chose to work at Pier 59 Studios. And then I, you know, it's, yeah. everything has a much bigger impact than I think people realize. And they're like, well, when it's important, then I'll like show up. And it's like, it's all important. I still feel that way. Every job I'm on, mm. you know, I don't feel that I ever have security. Really? No, I think because you, as a, when you're working for yourself, when you're like, as you said, like 1099 for life, like, <laughs> yeah. if you have a bad day and if you're around, like those, that like can ripple. Yes, I you agree. Know? And I, agree. I think that we're so fortunate to be doing jobs that are creative and fun and with people that are interesting and amazing. And I get to wake up every day and work on things that I feel passionate about. And I think it's incredibly important that I take pride in every task. Right. That I do that involves my career. Like, and it's so funny because my assistant that's been with me for three years, Caroline, who is a godsend, um, reminds me of she always looks like she's like kind of in a state of panic. Right. As she should be. Okay. Um, because that way I don't need to be because I know that she's thinking about absolutely every single detail. Triple triple checking the packs. But it's so <laughs> funny when we moved into our office. I took all my old notebooks because we didn't have iPhones when I was working okay. as an assistant. So I would have these Moleskine notebooks oh, right. with like dates and pickup. And she said that one day she was waiting for pickups and she was going through my notebooks and she couldn't believe it was really, it made me really happy that she could see that like I used to be in her shoes yeah, and like that that existed for me before this. Like it wasn't like this always. And I think that that's something that I think is important. I mean, yeah, it sounds like you have and you also developed like a strong empathy for other people who want to be want to be like a capital S stylist someday. Like totally. and people who are like putting in the putting in the hours. A thousand percent. And I think I just for me, I value people's time. You, you know, know, people are taking their and, and that goes to say with like anyone on a shoot or anyone getting a client ready. It's I think it's really important to value people's time and the way that they're being creative because like this is their outlet for them. They're all in that moment with you. Right. You know, and you're all working together to make something really beautiful. And it's my job as a stylist to kind of just, in my opinion, to be like the mom, like to oversee everything, to make sure that everyone's voice is being heard and also to make sure that we're staying in the right space, like staying in that like kind of story that we decided from the beginning and making sure that it all makes sense together. Right. You know, and that sometimes can be tricky to do. So I think that the more that you value other people's time and creativity, the more that, you know, you work together in a better way. Yeah. So if you went back to yourself, 15 and 16, or, or say your 15, 16 year old self sees you now, like, do you think they're like, okay, like I, this, this was, this was right. I think I did all the right stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a I'm big sure, question. I'm sure my 15, 16 year old self would have comments. Like, really? I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that you I, could have done this better. No, <laughs> not even that. I think it's more, I'm never satisfied. Right. You know, and not because I don't, I'm not so proud of all the work that I'm putting out there because I really believe if it's, if I'm sharing it on my personal, on my feed, then it's right, something right. I'm proud of. Okay. You know, and I think that that's an interesting space as well, like in the world that we're in now where it's like Instagram is like this, like, like if I get booked on a job, I'm pretty positive that people are looking at my Instagram. They're not going to like a website. Yeah. It is interesting how Instagram has developed into a lot of people's portfolios. And I think a lot of actresses go to your Instagram to be like, who are the other girls she's working with? Mm -hmm. You know, like what's the, like who's the crew? 
Right. You know, do I want to be in this crew? You know? Yeah. And it's so, and I'm like, yeah, obviously I have the best crew. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's like a funny thing where it's like, there's, there's so many amazing, beautiful actresses that are on the carpet and like just owning it. And it's just like, it's really the styling element of it is really about a connection. It's just like, do you vibe or do you not? You know, once you like know that you like someone's aesthetic, it's all personal. Really? Yeah. I, I, mean, I believe so. you. This I is just so. really refreshing. I think so because it's like, I want to, any client that I have, if she calls me at three in the morning and it's like, I'm not sure about the shoe Okay. for like an event the next day, like I need to, it needs to be someone that I'm like, yeah, okay, let's talk about it. Yeah. So I don't take on a client unless I really, I'm ready to care that much. Right. Like I feel that I love every girl that I work with. I'm rooting for her. I want her, I believe in her and I am proud to be working with her. Right. And I think that for me, there like that's the only way I can do it. Damn. Well, the reason why, I mean, this is also very, you know, interesting and refreshing for me to hear is, is there are stylists whom you just amass as many as you can to build whatever retainer, whatever thing you're trying to do. And you kind of amass a bunch of clothes and then you just like toss it off to each people. And there's not, there's not always this. And I say this because what you're doing is great. Like there's not always this like strong, almost paternal relationship. What you were saying, you said like the the mom here. Yeah. I mean, I feel that I'm, I feel like all my clients like make fun of me and they're like, you're such a mom, but I'm like, I, it's not just about the clothes. Like I need to know that they're feeling good. Right. You know, like I want to know that like when they walk out there, they feel amazing. And like, I help make that happen. Right. You know, like I genuinely feel that way, but I think everyone has a different approach and like, I'm not here to judge because at the end of the day, no, like, it's fine. no, but I'm saying it more in the sense of like, I want everyone to keep doing what they're doing so I can keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, if, like I agree. if they think that that's the right thing for them, then I think it is too. Like, I don't, I don't feel like there is a right way. I just know that the way that I do it is the way I want to see it, mm. you know? And it's something that, and there are definitely other stylists that I look to and I'm like, wow, like I love what she's doing. You know, there's definitely other people that I think are doing amazing things. And that's the beauty of fashion though, is that like everyone gets to have an opinion. Yeah. Everyone has a different idea of what's good. Right. And like, I love that. I yeah. love that. Yes. Because it's like, it's just like an open space. Like it's kind of just like for one person, like, like a best dress. It's not about like, I don't like the idea of a worse dress. Cause I don't think that exists. Oh, because I think that it really depends who you're asking. You That's know? true. That's true. It really depends who you're asking. It's like everyone has a different idea of what's chic and what's cool. And like that's what makes it so nice is fashion is so personal. So like to make it not be like a intimate relationship or like, you know, a maternal relationship, like you said, like I would think it would be impossible. Right. You know, because it's such a personal thing. Like it's an expression of yourself and it's saying who you are, who you are in that moment or, you know, the statement you're trying to make. And I think there's a lot of power in that. I know that I drew all that power for myself from it. So, and it carried me through, you know, some of the most, you know, trying years as like a young girl, you know, becoming like a woman. And it really was the thing that kept me secure. So to use that as a business is to me like the best. And I don't think I realized the power of that until I got into celebrity in like a larger way. There's something about, working with celebrity for me that like humanizes fashion in this really interesting way. And then it's also really interesting because it's becoming a much bigger business. Like girls want contracts. Girls want to be like ambassadors of brands. And like, I want to be the person that can make that happen for them. Wow. 
you know, I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, it's great. Well, look, Danielle, this has been huge. I, I really, really want to thank you for your time. I, I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank Thanks. you for having me yeah. on my first podcast. Yeah, right, right. Thanks for chatting. You've been listening to Blamo. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Blamo is edited by Brendan Finn and our intern is Connor Vaughn. If you like the show, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow along with us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast or email us at info at blamopod.com. Want to know more about what's going on in fashion, menswear, or just meet other folks? You can join our Slack group. It's a private chat group online where tons of Blamo listeners chat about everything. Send us an email saying, hey, I want to join the Slack group and we'll get you in. Stay tuned for future episodes because we are approaching our 100th episode and we're working on some fun projects and events all around the world you'll want to be a part of. See you next week. 